0: All right. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right. Thank you, uh, Aaron and Danny, for uh, blessing us with your gifts and uh, just leading us as you sense the Holy Spirit leading you. It's a true blessing. Hallelujah. I I wish I could play piano like that. It was that's cool, man. Hallelujah all right now uh, let's look at Romans chapter twelve i'm going to be preaching from verse fourteen to eighteen Romans chapter twelve verses fourteen to eighteen. look at verse eighteen with me. If possible, so far as it depends on you leave live peaceably with all amen now the niv says live at peace with everyone live at peace with everyone this is the word of the lord for today live at peace with everyone turn to your neighbor tell him that live at peace with everyone Now, this is not just talking about your relationships with those in the church. It includes all those you know at your workplace, in your family, in your neighborhood. It could be your ex-boyfriend, an ex-wife, crazy boss. Live at peace with everyone, says the word of God. You know, Oswald Chambers used to preach that God engineers all the circumstances of the saints. This means if you are walking in his ways and seeking to do his will, people don't just come into your life by accident. They're there by God's providence. God put them there. And they may be there for various reasons. God brings various people into our lives to test us. To build up our character, to release a hidden blessing, or to develop our potential. Amen? Now, let me get a little more mic up here. Now, if all God did was send people into your life that you can easily get along with, people that are just like you, have all the same interests as you, your spiritual growth will be very limited. Limited. Because difficult people bring deep growth. Amen, difficult people? I'm a difficult person. I know I can be. But I will bring deep growth into your life. If you learn to live at... God bless you, honey. If you will learn to live at peace with me. And if you want God to use all these relationships that you have in your life, you want God to use it to refine you and to bless you, we have got to learn how to live at peace with everyone. We may look at some people and go, that coworker is so annoying. I can't work with him. Not even going to try. My boss is so demanding. One day, you know what? I'm just going to blow up. My dad has hurt me so much. He's such a failure. I don't ever want to talk to him again. The people we encounter in our lives, even the ones with evil intentions or selfish motives or irritating habits, they are all allowed into our lives by God's providence. And if God allowed it, Romans 8.28, earlier in the book of Romans, it gives us the promise that God can work it out all for your good. Hallelujah. But check it out. We got to learn how to live at peace with everyone. You know, some of the people that you despise right now, Or you got beef with, you got strife with. You know, they may be your new BFF. Or your future spouse. You know, when Aaron first met me, you know, it wasn't like love at first sight. You know, she thought I was a little bit, you know, conceited or a little bit of, uh, you know, I I was a little rough around the edges because my humor, she wasn't digging my humor. She thought I was a difficult person. But I became her future spouse. See, I I ended up marrying her. Hallelujah. And now there's just blessing after blessing being poured down into her life. (laughs) I mean, some of these people you got in your life right now that you got beef with, they may be positioned to bless you or to open up a new door for you. God might be using their irritability to build up your patience and leadership for your next assignment. What looks like a curse is actually a hidden blessing. But for those who refuse to live at peace with everyone, the hidden blessings remain hidden. And the spiritual growth remains small. Some people go, why should I live at peace with everyone? People don't do that with me. They're always trying to start something. They're always trying to. They, uh, they they got an agenda to irritate me, my coworkers. Man, can't they can't pass by my cubicle? They always got to stop by and tell me every problem they got in their life. Why should I live at peace with everyone? People don't do that with me. You're right. The world doesn't follow the word of God. They follow more common principles like, I got to look out for number one. Or, you know what, sister, you need to stand up for your rights. Or, man, don't let nobody disrespect you. You know, when I was growing up on the streets of Philadelphia, that was the one principle that I would live and die by. It was, don't you ever let nobody cross you. Don't let nobody disrespect you. And that was just, that was just the principles. It was, like the, it was like the principles of the street. And if you, didn't, if you didn't live by those principles at my elementary school, um, you got beat up every day. <laughs> you got beat up. They used to do this thing where, where if you, uh, at one point, I don't know who made it up. They said, if you have socks with stripes on it, everybody gets to bum rush you. Everybody gets to beat you up. Like, not like beat you up really bad, but beat you up pretty bad. Like, you know, like on your face, but like all over your arms, it'll beat you up. And uh, one time I was wearing striped socks. And one, one of my classmates was like, yo, 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 Suck Young got striped socks on. That's my Korean name. Suck Young's got striped socks on. And I was like, man, shut up. <laughs> you disrespect me, son. <laughs> I mean, that's just, just the way it works. That, that's the principle that I live by. But check it out. We can't live like the world because the world doesn't know the Lord like we do. Their hearts aren't committed to the Lordship of Jesus. They haven't experienced the love of God. And their lives aren't directed by the word of God. They don't even have the Holy Spirit. Of course they have no motivation to live at peace with everyone. It sounds like foolishness to them. And the church, we may be tempted to do the same. But you see, to us who have the Spirit of God, we are called to a higher standard. Amen? The standard that we ought to live by is to live at peace with everyone. It may sound impossible. The world may not commend or applaud you for it. But as disciples of Christ, this is the principle that must govern our attitude toward relationships. You know, yesterday, Tina and Martin, they got married. And I had the uh, honor of presiding their wedding. Tina Martin, where are you? They, couldn't, they didn't make it? Are they going to ET1 later? Oh, I better see them there. I'll be there too. No, no, I'm playing, I'm playing. Uh, I married them and uh, I was going to give them this piece of advice. I, just, I guess I'll have to give it to ET1. But uh, if there's one piece of advice I will give to a mar- newly married couple, it's this. You do not have the ability... To change your spouse. It's the best advice I can give to a newlywed couple. You do not have the ability to change your spouse. God doesn't give you that ability and he doesn't give you that responsibility either. What you are responsible for, he calls you to do is just simply to love, serve, pray and submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And if we will do our part to live at peace with our spouse, the Holy Spirit will do His part to transform their heart. Amen? Maybe you've discovered that this is true of all relationships. You cannot change another person. Do you know that? You know, some people who don't get this, they live in the wrong ways. My parents who don't understand this, They resort to control their children. They use manipulation, domination, intimidation to try to change their child. And their child may even look like they changed on the outside, but inside there's rebellion there. Because they despise the ways in which their parents are trying to control them. Spouses who do not understand this truth, they focus more on nagging than on kneeling. Hallelujah. (laughs) instead of giving love we withhold it in hopes of our loved ones being able to change but think about it this way the Bible says that God he tests our hearts he knows how badly we are in need of change but how does God deal with us does he resort to control Is he constantly nagging you? Does he withhold his love or punish you for making slow progress? No, this is not the way that God deals with us. God simply, he loves. And we must also learn to love our spouses, our friends, our family members, our neighbors. We got to love them whether they are changing or not. And this is why the Bible calls us. Live at peace with everyone. Because while you're on your way to that change in the process of seeing people change, guess what? There's going to be all kinds of drama. And you can either do your part to live at peace with that person or you can add the fire fuel to that drama. And some people love drama. You got some drama queens in here. Don't Don't raise your hand. Some people love drama. But look, man, Bible doesn't say, be a drama queen. Hallelujah. <laughs> amen. Give me a louder amen than that. Amen. Bible says we must live at peace with everyone. So let me give you practical ways. because This is a very practical message. What are practical ways in which we can live at peace with all? And check it out. If you have, problem, you have trouble with this, you need to write down these notes and you need to memorize these. Straight coming out from this text. Look at verse 14. Number one, what's the practical way in which you can live at peace with all? Verse 14 says, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. In order to live at peace with all, we have got to learn how to bless. Learn how to bless people. Be generous in your blessing. Yes, and bless even those who offend you. Matthew 5, verse 43, Jesus said, You heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. You know, when somebody opposes you, persecutes you, insults you, Jesus commands us to love such people and to pray for them. And yes, to bless them. Jesus said, if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Is not the rest of the world doing the same thing? How are we being any different from the guy who doesn't have Christ? But you see, when you love and pray for and bless those who persecute you, this is the mark of a true disciple of Christ. This is the mark of a person that has Christ truly living in them. So next time someone mistreats you, don't get all upset and depressed. Don't wallow in self-pity. Oh, poor me. Why are people always mistreating me? All right. Cut that out. Just bless them. Lord, such and such person is opposing me strongly. My ex-wife is suing me. The people at that other church are talking smack about my church. And I'm not sure why they are behaving that way. But I pray that you bless them with a fantastic day. And I just, I don't wish them any harm. I just speak your blessing over them right now. And you know what? First few times you do that, you try to exercise that, you try to practice that, it's going to feel fake. (laughs) Like when I'm driving around and some homie decides to cut me off. Lord bless them. Bless that guy with a fantastic day. I do not want them to get a flat tire. (laughs) Bless them, Lord. And you know what? It may feel fake, but check this out. It ain't fake, it's faith. You just need to get used to it. It doesn't come naturally for you because you have this flesh nature inside of you. But check it out. You might have the flesh nature you're struggling with, but you also got the spirit of God. And the Spirit of God is saying amen to this message right now. And if you will submit to the Spirit of God, you just bless that person, hallelujah, it will go well with you. If you learn to bless and not curse, God's blessing will continually flow into your life. There are so many people, they cut off the blessing of God from their lives. Because they don't know how to bless. You see, not only do you receive salvation by God's grace, but every gift and blessing you receive on the earth is also received via His grace. If you live in the place of mercy and forgiveness, then God will deal with you in His grace. But if you judge and you live in the place of judgment and unforgiveness, then God will deal with you in judgment. Word of God says in Matthew 7:2: for in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Bless. Learn to bless, people. It's number one. Practical way to live at peace with everyone. Number two. Look at verse uh, 15. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Second way in which we can live at peace with everyone is to rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. In other words... When something good happens to someone, or if they achieve something significant, celebrate their victories and share in that joy. I got a promotion. Psh, yeah, you ain't deserve it. <laughs> uh, I'm happy for you, not. Don't do that. Rejoice with those who rejoice. If something bad happens to a coworker, or if this coworker has some kind of failure, then weep with them. This is the way to live at peace with everyone. How would you feel if you got a promotion or you just got engaged and then you announced it at work and no one rejoices with you? How would that make you feel? You would take a mental note of every person in that room. (laughs) You ain't getting an invitation from me. You would be hurt and disappointed just simply because they refused to rejoice with you. I was busy that day where well, you still hurt me because I was in my moment of joy and you didn't share in it. Whether the person is your BFF or your enemy, they are all vulnerable in these moments of joy or sadness. You see, brothers and sisters, what the church got to realize is the joy and comfort that we can give is powerful. No other religion comes close to offering the kind of joy and comfort that Christians can give. What we don't realize is, man, it is powerful. The joy we can release can set people free from depression and disease. The comfort that we can give can set somebody off the road of death and hopelessness. We got to live at peace with everybody. Third way. Keep reading with me. Verse 16. Live, Romans 12, 16. Live in harmony with one another. Third way we can live in peace with everyone. Live in harmony with one another. What does that mean? To live in harmony with one another means to live in agreement with each other. You know, many times in our lives, we are going to have disagreements with people. Amen? I mean, I might be preaching and you might have a disagreement with me. But I'm sorry, but I have the mic. So I get to keep talking and you just listen. But we know there's going to be disagreements in life. But living in harmony means spotlighting our agreements rather than our disagreements. Not being all like a watchdog looking for a point of contention and and division, but rather looking for the things that were going to cause us to be in harmony with one another. You know, when Aaron was playing the piano up here, man, things just was flowing. The music sounded beautiful. I don't think there was one note he played that was off. Why? Because he played all the notes in harmony with one another. That's what the church should be like. The church should be like a really good song (laughs) that you don't mind listening to over and over and over again. Because the church is living in harmony. You get a good song going with a good harmony. I can listen to that song all the time. Hallelujah. It's like jazz. I I won't get into it, but it's like jazz, you know. Church, you know, like, like you know, doing their doing their own improv and their own uh, own ways with their own instruments, you know, like a bassist, boom, 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 boom. <laughs> Drummer, <laughs> to church, man, we 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 need to make some good jazz music together. Amen. You know, um, the Bible says, uh, well, the opposite of harmony is strife, and the word strife means an angry or bitter disagreement over basic issues. And when we allow strife to rule our relationships, we waste all our energy on being upset over trivial issues rather than using our energy to love each other and serve each other. Proverbs seventeen four says, The beginning of strife is like letting out water. So quit before the coral breaks out. Proverbs 20, verse 3 says, It is to a man's honor to avoid strife. For every fool is quick to quarrel, to argue. Now, God has created me to be a confrontational kind of guy. I got to admit, all my life, I have never shied away from confrontation. I never shy away from confrontation. It just comes easy for me. And for most of my life, I noticed that I had a tendency to care more about being right than being in relationship with someone. My sister will tell you. Well, growing up, man, I used to to think I was right about everything, and I wasn't. I wasn't. I mean, I wasn't. But man, I would let strife in just to to say that I am. And I noticed that many times I would argue passionately to win an argument, but I would lose the hearer. And as I grew up, through some disillusionment and disappointment, the Holy Spirit began to show me that arguing for the truth was not always necessary. Don't get me wrong. I love theology. I love orthodoxy, right doctrine. And I will defend the truths of the gospel with my life. But I noticed that many times it was best to just live in harmony with the people around me rather than having to air out all my opinions And try to convince people of my viewpoints. Sometimes love. It manifests. Through being silent about the truth. And blessing a person. Where they are in their journey. The Bible says a prudent man conceals knowledge. Proverbs 17.27 says. Whoever restrains his words has knowledge. And he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. Hallelujah. Somebody that is truly prudent and, uh, and truly walking in understanding. They don't have to air out everything. They don't have to argue about everything. They're going to choose rather to live in harmony with their neighbor. Amen. Let's keep going. Number four. Comes from verse... 16, the latter part of verse 16. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be conceited. Okay, some of your ESV Bible says never be wise in your own sight. I don't know why the ESV does that, but it does that sometimes. Anyway, do not be haughty, associate with the lowly, never be conceited. The fourth way which you can live at peace with everyone is associate with the lowly. Associate with the lowly. If you want to live at peace with everyone, you cannot be stuck up, snobbish, or conceited. You must be willing to associate with the lowly. If you don't associate with the lowly, you're not going to be at peace with everyone. You know, politicians, you know, they they need to understand that not only are they serving the rich. But they also have to be balanced about serving also the poor. Not just representing the loudest voices, but also representing the quietest ones. And a good Christian must always be willing to associate with the lowly. You know, if I see a gifted, talented Christian become a leader at New Philadelphia Church... And I noticed that this person has got a little bit, he's a little conceited. Struggling with a little pride. And it's okay that you struggle with pride. We all struggle with pride. Nothing wrong with that. We need to to struggle. We need to fight. We need to struggle with the pride. But if the person is struggling with pride and is refusing and is not willing to associate with the lowly, I'd be like, I ain't giving him nothing. You can clean the floor until you learn how to associate with the lowly let check it out. If he can't associate with the lowly, he won't learn how to get along with other people. What's he gonna do? Hey, Pastor John Newfell, can you take out this trash? Man, I ain't touching that. I'm Pastor John Newfell. I'm the noof. You pick that up. Why am I even talking to you? You're not on my level. All right, maybe he won't even say it like that, but what if somebody gave off that kind of attitude? And I saw that. I'll be like, red light, red light, red light, red light. I don't care how much talent you have. I don't care if you can play the guitar like John Mayer. Okay. You you need to learn how to be humble. Because if that attitude comes into the leadership, you is not going to get along with the other leaders. I mean, our church here, man, the wonderful thing about our church, we represent a very diverse demographic. Amen. How many of you in here, you grew up, you would say you were lower middle class when you grew up. While you're growing up, lower middle class. Come on, raise your hands high. That's me too. Lower middle class. How many of y'all were middle class? Okay. And how many of y'all were just rich? (laughs) Uh, Y'all embarrassed to raise your hand. We know you in here. No, 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 no. There's nothing wrong with being, you know, wealthy, being blessed, especially if your parents paved the way. So inheritance, inheritances are not a bad thing just need to receive it with a good attitude. But, you know, our church here, we're, we're, we're a diverse di- demographic. If you're going to learn to live at peace with everybody here, you better learn how to associate with the lowly or what you think is the lowly. He don't got a college education. I don't care if he don't got a college education. Check this out. I'm good friends with Pastor Paul. But I noticed that, you know what, some pastors... They're not even willing to associate with him. And that, that just troubles my heart. That just troubles my... Well, he doesn't even have a high... He didn't graduate from high school. He was a gangbanger. He was a blood. He was in and out of jail. He was on all kinds of drugs. He doesn't have a college degree. He doesn't have a seminary degree. He has not got no training. I'm not associating with him. I'm not working. I'm not doing ministry with him. Man, that is messed up, man. That is messed up. I think that's pretty messed up. I, I hope none of these pastors are listening to this message, but I think that's messed up. But, man, well, you know, I love working with Pastor Paul. I mean, partly because I'm kind of like in the middle. I, I got a good education. All right? I graduated from high school. Amen to that. Amen. I went to a good school, man. I went to NYU Stern. I mean, that was a good school. It was hard to get into. I didn't graduate with the highest GPA, but I graduated. All right. Hallelujah. But I don't have a seminary degree. Uh, all the leaders here, they know that. If you're a newcomer, you may, be, you may not know that. You may all of a sudden get all like critical and alert now. right? Oh, no, he don't have a seminary degree. I shouldn't have listened to what he says. I, mean, I may not have a seminary degree, but I study the word of God. All right. I'm kind of like in the middle. So, I mean, I'm, I'm just in that natural place where I could just associate with anybody. You got the anointing on you, I associate with you. You got character, I associate with you. You know the word of God, you know how to handle it correctly, I associate with you. Got to learn how to be re- re- willing to associate with the lowly in order to live at peace with all men. I look at number five. Four, fifth way to live at peace with all is to never take revenge. Verse 17 says, "Repay." No one, evil for evil. You know, because man is born with a sinful nature, there is much evil that is done on the earth. And if everyone who receives evil takes revenge on others with more evil, then evil will cycle into an epidemic of violence and wickedness. But you see, part of the reason why the whole world isn't filled with so much violence is because God's people are here. And we live by a different standard. And God has commanded us never take revenge. If something is evil, something evil is done to a Christian, that evil should be forgiven and dissolved by the power of the cross. Hallelujah. If you want to live at peace with everyone, you must put to death all urges to take revenge. Wanting, you know, and revenge may not all look the same. You know, you may think revenge, you, you think like of a, of a movie where some dude is just taking revenge on everybody. You know, but you know, women, all your sisters, man, you'd be taking revenge too. You might not throw a punch, but man, you'd be throwing like 100 punches like under the table somehow. Through like... Like a passive-aggressive fashion, or just even like just my, just like wang-dying some some girl or something. Man, that's 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 a revenge. Man, I think I think at least brothers, man. You just hey, let's fight. All right. all right, all right, It's it's done. It's done. All right, peace. But but with women, it's like man, it ain't done. It's not over. I'm sorry. no. you think that's gonna do it? No. I'm going to have my revenge. (laughs) Now, check this out. You know, let me get this straight. Wanting revenge is not an evil thing. Do you know that? Revenge is not evil. In fact, vengeance is a cry for justice. Justice is a good thing, and therefore, vengeance is also good. Let me renew your mind here today. Vengeance is good. In the book of Revelations, the saints cry out for vengeance. Revelation 6, 10, O Sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you will judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Everyone who dies for the gospel cries out this cry for vengeance. And it's a good cry. Vengeance is good. But when vengeance... Is in the hands of a man who is error prone and lacks omniscience, vengeance is a very bad thing. The Apostle Paul tells us to leave vengeance wholly up to God, completely up to God. Look at the last part of this chapter, which we didn't get to read. Look from verse 19. He actually expounds on it from 19 to 21. Paul writes, Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. So to the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, give him a burger. Feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. I know what you did to me, man, but here, here is a glass of orange juice. Here's a cup of coffee. But for by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Hallelujah. This passage is giving us incentive to overcome evil with good. Because when we are good to our enemy, we are making them Ripe for God's wrath and vengeance. That's what heaping burning coals on their head means. In the Old Testament, heap burning coals, it represents punishment. So check this out. Think of it this way. Some of the enemies that we are good to, they may end up repenting. They may be so disarmed by your love and kindness that, wow, I just want to know what what you believe in, man. Because you are living by a different standard. Just tell me. And then they repent. That's a good thing. But others will not repent. And they will face God's fury. That's a good thing too. That's a good thing too. If you really knew the evil that goes, out, goes on in the world. If you knew exactly what happens in the dark places you will know that justice and vengeance is very good. I'm a Calvinist. I do not believe that God's heart and will is to save everybody. All right. God has reserved those who experience his grace and salvation. But there are also those who will face his judgment and wrath. And Apostle Paul actually argues that you will not know what mercy is if everybody had mercy. But you will only see the glory of his mercy as it is in contrast to his wrath. That which you do not get. You will be much more thankful for his mercy when you realize what wrath and judgment you should have gotten. So we put hot coals on their head, our enemy, every time we do good to them for the evil they do to us. Some of them will repent, that's good. Some of them won't repent, that's also good. But if you take vengeance, this is very bad. You fail to forgive as you've been forgiven. You do not represent Christ to a fallen world. You destroy our hope of peace with your enemy, and you bring judgment on your own head. For the fresh evil that you employ to take revenge. Never take revenge. Tell your neighbor that. Never take revenge. Never take revenge. Never take revenge. <laughs> Amen. Now from this passage, the sixth and last way to live at peace with all comes from verse 17. Give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. The sixth way to live at peace with all is to do what is honorable in the sight of all. You see, when we give honor and we behave honorably, our relationships become filled with incredible peace. The word of God says, honor your father and mother which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on earth. What does honor have to do with life? Well, you see, life flows through honor. And this truth doesn't apply just to your relationship with your parents, but it applies to all relationships on earth. And even in your relationship with the Lord. If you honor the Lord with a specific devotion or offering or a fast, he will bless you with life and life abundant. Amen? Amen. The Bible says, Proverbs 3, verse 8, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Hallelujah. Life flows through honor. And when we give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all, this is the type of behavior that pleases the Lord and causes us to live at peace with everyone. Show honor and behave honorably. So these are six ways in which we can live at peace with all. If you don't get along with people, you need to memorize these. Stop wasting all your energy being upset with holding, uh, holding a grudge, allowing strife to steal your joy, stop wasting your energy on that. Start seeking to live at peace with everyone. tell you right now, your health will improve, your relationships will improve, your work environment will get better, and if you're a college student, your grades will improve too. No, I'm just playing. I just threw that in there. But it should. Study hard. Jesus said, Matthew 5, 9, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Hallelujah. Brothers and sisters, if you are in Christ, you are all sons of God. Male or female, you are all sons of God. And if you haven't heard, sons of God are peacemakers. You are a peacemaker. You see, the whole world, they focus and shift their blame on other people for the stress that they experience. For the lack of peace that they have in their lives. They blame blame their parents. They blame their boss. The reason I don't have peace in my life, I don't have no joy in my life, is because of my sibling. It's because of my parents. It's because of my boss. And they just shift all the blame on others for the lack of peace that they experience. Well, you see, peacemakers... They don't blame and shift the blame to others. They learn to look at themselves first. And then they do everything they can to live at peace with everyone. Peacemakers don't try to change others to bring about peace. They realize the only person they're responsible to change is themselves. As peacemakers release peace to a restless world, peacemakers became, become a blessing to all nations. That is our identity, brothers and sisters. We are peacemakers. And now that we've covered all these points, let me spit the truth. You can try with all your heart to live at peace with everyone, but I'm sorry to say it won't always happen. It won't always happen. This is why the Word of God here says, verse 18, it says, If possible and So far as it depends on you, the if, it tells us that it's not always possible. And the so far as it depends on you means that God simply wants us to do our part to keep the peace. And if it doesn't happen, don't feel guilty and don't fret about it. Your spirit-filled efforts to live at peace with all will not always result in seeing people and relationships transformed. Some people are just too stubborn, they're just too hard, and they may not change. This is when we simply accept the relationship as it is, and then if necessary, we may even want to distance yourself from those kinds of harmful patterns. But you can't do that before you have actually tried to live at peace with them. Well, well it ain't going to work. I know it ain't going to work. My boss, yeah, he's real, real stubborn, man. It ain't going to work. I'm not even going to try No, 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 no. You can do that, but you got to take the step first to live at peace with him. Don't be fast-forwarding because you think you're prophetic. (laughs) You walk it out. The reason why we try to live at peace with everyone is not to achieve the goal of living at peace with everyone. That's not the reason why. If the word of God was teaching this, we would all become people pleasers. And we won't be able to advance the kingdom. We'll never stand up for the kingdom. Sometimes wars may, must break out in order to defend and to destroy the, the works of the enemy. Sometimes you got to stand up and you need to speak up. Don't get me wrong. The reason why we try to live at peace with everyone is not to achieve this goal of living at peace with everyone. The reason we try to live at peace with everyone is because God commanded us to live this way. And when we obey God's commands, it pleases Him. Whether people respond to our kindness or not, it is to our blessing and benefit to walk in His commands and to please Him. Everybody getting that? Proverbs 16.7 says, When a a man's ways, when a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. When a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. Hallelujah. Which means the impossible testimony is possible. If you will live a life that pleases the Lord, the guy who slanders you, writes all kinds of evil and misaligns your ministry. God can make that person be your best friend if you will live a life that pleases the Lord. Jesus was a man who pleased the Lord. The father said over the son, this is my son, beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. And when Jesus was on the earth, he did all he could to live at peace with everyone. Think about it for a moment. One of his 12 disciples was going to betray him. But check this out. Jesus blessed and did not curse the one who was going to persecute him. I mean, when, when Jesus would sit down with the disciples, would he be like, here, John, here. You get a piece of bread here. You get a big piece, Matthew. Here you go, Peter. Judas, you ain't getting nothing, you little betrayer. I know what you're up to. Jesus, Jesus, I'm a disciple too, man. I'll take you outside right now. Uh, Jesus blessed Judas. He blessed and did not curse him. It's not like the disciples were like, oh, Judas is the betrayer. Nobody knew. Why? Because Jesus blessed everybody. There may be Judas isn't here. But I, you know what? I may even know that you are a Judas, but I will bless you. I will bless you and not curse you. Nobody will know you are a Judas. I will bless you and curse you, and not curse you. (laughs) That's what Jesus did. Jesus, he rejoiced with those who rejoiced. When Zacchaeus, this tax collector... He, got, he started to repent and said, Lord, everything I've stolen, I'll pay back seven times the amount. And, 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 and he was so excited. And you know what the religious leaders were doing? They were like, tax collector. Can't believe that he, Jesus is sleeping over at his house. We're eating a meal in this tax collector's house. Scumbag. Are you excited for me, religious leaders? Are you excited for me? They're like, yay, they didn't rejoice with him. What did Jesus do? Jesus rejoiced. was happy for Zacchaeus. and when Lazarus died, Jesus wept, wept with those who wept. He wept to weep with those who weep. And he also he lived in harmony. Jesus lived in harmony. There were times there were confrontations with the religious leaders. but all men, think about his entire life. he was in agreement with Jewish customs, Jewish laws. He grew up as a Jew. Even though he knew there were so many things the Jews didn't quite get. Even though they, he knew that the Jews were quite evil and they had an idolatrous history. He didn't point all that out. He, just, he was in agreement with the ethnicity he was born into. And he lived in harmony with the Jews. He associated with the lowly. We know he associated with the poor, with the lepers, with the prostitutes. He associated with the lowly. And he never took revenge. Well, at least not yet. Even when he was on the cross, he did not take vengeance. As a man, as he was 100% man and 100% God, but as a man, Jesus did not take revenge. He left vengeance to the Lord and he died on the cross when he could have snapped his fingers and a chariot of fire would have shown up and angels would have been there. He did not. He submitted to the will of the Father and he left vengeance completely up to God. And lastly, he did what was honorable in the sight of all. Even when he was standing in trial before Pontius Pilate, he did not open his mouth and be like, Pontius Pilate, you, do you know who I am? I am the king of kings. Are you a king? Yeah, I'm a king. Let me show you right now. Like he didn't do that. He said he was very honorable to Pontius Pilate. He showed him honor as a man who was an authority, as a man who was a governor. You know, and some Christians, you know, they appear before kings. They appear before politicians. They appear before government officials. And what do they do? They show zero honor. I am a disciple of Christ. I am his ambassador. What you are doing to our churches here in this country, you will pay for this. How dare you talk to the, the, the governor that way? You shut up. I am a child of the living God. There's no honor there. Now, Christians, when you appear before kings, and you will, just as Paul did, you show honor to Caesar. If I... Somehow got captured. If I if I did some crazy stunt like like you know some of the news stories you heard, and I ran into North Korea, and somehow the North Korean government thought that Kim Jong Un should meet me, and I appear before Kim Jong Un, right? I ain't gonna be like you idolater. You are a son of the devil. You will die and rot. Uh, 안녕하세요. Uh, you will no no I'm not gonna do that. I'm going to show him honor. Even though he's an evil man. Even though he's an evil man, I'm going to show him honor. Because we, will, we, we don't show honor because they deserve honor. We show honor because we're honorable. That's what the people of God are. That's what Daniel showed honor to King Nebuchadnezzar. Even though King Nebuchadnezzar was full of himself and was a very evil man. But you show honor. And that's what Jesus, he did as well. Jesus lived at peace with everyone. But Jesus knew that not everyone would want peace with him. He knew that the Jews and Jewish leaders would demand his death. He knew that those who experienced his miracles and goodness and love would turn on him and become his enemies. But the Word of God tells us Isaiah 53, verse 5 he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. Because Jesus' ways pleased the Lord, the Father made even his enemies to be at peace with him. But the cost of that peace came through the death of Christ Jesus took the punishment to bring you peace with God do you understand this Jesus took the punishment to bring you peace with God praise be to the cross of Jesus Christ Next time you think, I can't live at peace with that person, I can't live, that. they are so irritable, they are so demanding, I can't live at peace with them. Remember what your Savior did to bring you peace with God. You see, the cross, by the cross and the pouring out of God's spirit, God enables you to walk in the ways in which he has commanded We have no excuse. He commands us, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. The cross inspires, enables us to live at peace because Christ took the punishment to bring us peace with God. Let's pray. God, we just thank you so much for the cross of Jesus Christ. We praise you for the cross. We thank you that you sent your son. It says in your word that it pleased you to bruise your son, to punish your son. Why would that is so twisted? Why would it give you pleasure to bruise your son? But now we know that the word has been revealed to us that he took that punishment to bring us peace. Since he has given us the greatest peace of all, may we in turn live at peace with all men. We just thank you, God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. I pray that this room will be a room filled with peacemakers, God that experience your blessing continually in their life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.